0: the automotive hour i'm your host lewis Alexander, with mr brian terry hey us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have just give us a call our number is 291-6901 and the area code here in baton rouge louisiana which is 225 you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental united states this morning there you go sure wish you would we appreciate hearing from you and hearing what's on your mind there you go try to give now, some advice if we can that's right now is a great time to call there you go Got all the lines wide open yep. right up straight to the top of the list and plenty make... of time to get you a very quality answer well that's right and then you never know next week who knows that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> tomorrow is not promised that's Exactly. <laughs> yeah i got a, a email earlier this week from mark out of london england uh-huh. sent me an email he said he was on a forum and there's this guy in there giving people advice that transmission service is useless and you really shouldn't do it it's just a waste of money and he says you know how would you address this how would you reply to this and number one is if a person believes that way i probably would not try to change them let them go the way they want to go i'm not in the business trying to make people think other than they want to think if that's the way you feel and great but he was on a public forum kind of spouting this out so Anyway, he was just asking. I said, well, you know, I don't know that a transmission has ever failed because you didn't service it. It failed because of the things that occurred because you didn't service it. And to qualify that, it's like I don't think a person's teeth have ever fallen out because they didn't brush them. It was because of gum disease and tooth decay that the tooth fell out. Sure. It's just that brushing them may have prevented that. Flossing them may have prevented that. There you go. So when you say, well, if you don't brush, you don't floss, your teeth aren't going to fall out, it's kind of ridiculous. Right. It prevents the things that do cause the failures. In other words, a transmission does not fail because it wasn't serviced. It fails because the filter got restricted. The fluid got the fluid dirty and the additives got depleted. The additives all got depleted, so you started getting corrosion. It lost some of its lubrosity. It got too thick, the viscosity, which got much thicker because the fluid was thick all of these things are what takes transmission out and so to say that well it didn't fail because it wasn't serviced, it's sort of like twist trying to twist words around right and that kind of stuff is very irresponsible and fortunately i guess in a way we do have a free society people anybody can say whatever they want to say about whatever they want to say mm-hmm. but you have to take anything a person says with a grain of salt number one who is this person or were of qualifications? qualifications you know a lot of times people see something in writing or whatever or hear something in the media and they just automatically accept it right just believe it's true just believe it's true well i heard it so it's, well you gotta be a little careful well, you with gotta that. do your research that's right exactly right let's go to our phone i've got bob online good morning bob
1: good morning yes i have a 0700 uh-huh. 4.7 liter 4x4 and at one hundred ten thousand miles i was going in baton rouge and all the lights came on the dash okay. and i stopped in the toyota dealer and they said, okay, $4,000 to replace the air injections. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he said uh, they have been having problems, and so they ended it. They did? Uh, and so.
0: I want to say 10 years or something like that.
1: Yeah, to 150,000 miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so they did it for free. Okay. Of course, they did all kinds of other stuff while I was there. I didn't get away free. But anyway, <laughs> and then it happened again, about 175, and I brought it into y'all, and mm-hmm. I just got it out the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was over 3,000, which, hey, I'm I'm not, that isn't what I called. Right. Am I doing something wrong or no. is this going to happen about everything?
0: No, that was a problem that they had on those vehicles. And supposedly the stuff that we put back is improved. It really should not occur again, according to everything we know. And I got to say, after we've repaired them, I have not had one come back. And I guess this started back. Like you said, it was a two seven, a, yeah, an old seven or so. I fixed some of them that were high mileage vehicles as early as like oh eight and oh nine, and I've never seen them back again. I have them, have had them come back, but not for that. So uh, uh, hopefully it's fixed. I'm not sure what went on first time around. If maybe they didn't completely do it, or maybe it was earlier in the process they didn't have the improved parts or whatever. But I don't think you will have trouble with that again, Bob. I, I've not seen problems with it on a recurring basis.
1: Well, okay, well that's good. As my wife and I decided, we were gonna. It, other than that's been good truck. To, it is. It's yeah, really good really truck. And good I
0: gotta truck. say one thing about Toyota is they do generally step up to the plate. And you know, one hundred fifty thousand miles is a pretty long extension. You know, when you figure the original warranty was probably fifty or sixty thousand miles, they almost tripled the coverage on it. Right. right, uh, right. They did acknowledge it they had a problem. They did improve the parts, sure. as opposed to some manufacturers. I know, like Ford, for instance. Generally, they've got to have a class action suit against Ford. They're gonna change anything. They hardly yeah. ever did. I in my memory. Have actually just came out and said, "Hey, we're going. We we got sure. a bad product. We're going to fix it. You know, uh, like the three point five liter engines out right now that are leaking coolant, and you got to take the whole time and change everything off to get to it. And I mean, it's a very every intense. one of them do it at very low mileage, yeah. and they're not doing anything about it. Just oh well. Here's the special <laughs> tools you can buy that you have to
1: have to to change fix it. it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So okay. well,
1: that's good news because I'm just getting it. Yeah, gonna, if I could get a hundred dollars for it or whatever, I wasn't going to go through it
0: again. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't see a lot of recurrence on that once we fixed them. I mean, we, we've, we've done quite a few of them, and I've not had a lot of them, or I've never had any of them come back after they were repaired. Well,
1: I knew I brought it to the right place. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: thank you very much. All right, Bob. Thank you, man. Bye, bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive We'd love to have you going back to the line with John. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning, guys. i got a quick question for uh, you. Sure. It's my son's 15 GMC half ton, uh-huh. and he is in Iraq, okay. and I'm keeping the truck. And so my question is, is I go and try to crank it and drive it in the small town where we live on the weekends to get it up to temperature. The right. question I have is... Can I just crank it and let it idle no. and do the same
0: thing? No, that's uh, probably worse than doing nothing at all, or at least as bad as doing nothing at all. Okay. See, when it's all idling, right. it's running very inefficiently. The alternator is not turning fast enough to charge, and you are not rotating all the moving parts. So, yeah, that would be probably worse than doing nothing because then you've got a bunch of idle time on it, which is very inefficient anyway. But really and truly, he needs to drive, or you need to drive that thing probably at least forty or fifty miles once a week and i'm not talking about 10 miles 10 miles four times you try to get a good long drive on at least once a week how long is he going to be in iraq he
3: left he'll be back in october
0: okay so i've had i've
3: had the truck since december
0: okay yeah just drive it as much as you possibly can john and you want to change the oil on that thing too at least twice a year so even though you're not putting a lot of miles make sure you get the oil changed in it drive it around and you should be okay i had a friend of mine who had an extended deployment. He was be gone for about three years. And I advised him, and best thing is just sell the truck. And come when you come back, buy another. Once you can buy the same exact truck for less money when you come back. But on a short-term deal like this, yeah, you could just, as long as you're driving enough, you'll be good.
3: Yeah, so let me ask you another question. Sure. Uh, he did not inherit his dad's pension for maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, I said, son, so... How often do you change the oil? He said, oh, Dad, I just drive through one of those places, and they do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, so do you know what kind of oil they use? He said, well, I didn't use synthetic because it was so expensive. So I'm a big synthetic
0: proponent. Well, that engine requires all that meets Dexos, which is going to be a synthetic oil. It requires that. That's That's not an option. Anybody who put anything on that in there may be responsible for or any kind of damage. It any causes. damage. I know GM sent bulletins out on that a bunch, and they said they would void the warranty on the vehicle. So if you have an engine problem and you go in and they say, hey, let me, let me see all-change receipts, and the wrong all was put in it, you have to go void the warranty.
3: All right. Okay, one other question. So the rear tire, the TPSM on the back driver's side tire, mm-hmm. it's giving me an alarm on the truck. Okay. Okay. And so I was reading 25 PSI. Uh Now, what drive it, and as the tire heats up, the pressure is increased and it's recognized on the sensor, okay. but it's not to the same level it really is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's normal for is it to heat up sensor and go mature, up. Is
3: that Is that something else?
0: Most likely. Normal for the pressure to go up when the tire heats up, that would be normal operation. It's just reading maybe the range is off on it. Right. It's not an off-on thing on sensors like that. They have a range and that range could get off like if the battery's getting weak on it. 15, okay. so you figure it's six years old. That's a little premature, but it, it could definitely happen.
3: All right, gentlemen. Alrighty. I appreciate
0: it. All right, John. Thanks for calling, thanks. man.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. We're going to try to sneak one more call in before break. we got Wallace on line. Good morning, Wallace.
4: Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. i got a new, a new car question okay. for you. Since you got a new car fairly recently, 0W16 uh-huh. oil. Correct. Okay. You really do need to use it. Absolutely.
0: Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir.
4: Okay. Because I was about to say, is it just to get more efficiency or you've engineered
0: it? No, it's designed for more efficiency, fuel mileage and all that kind of stuff. But that is what is required. And the whole engine is basically for that oil. I've been putting that in mind since the day that I bought it. And I've got 70,000 miles on it now. And I've had zero problems. And it burns no oil. And I get between 38 and 42 miles to the gallon.
4: Okay. I've talked to you before about waiting
0: 10,000 miles to do the first oil change 10,000 yeah. i, w- I would not do that under any any conditions i changed my all the first time at 1500 miles and okay. i've been changing every 5,000 thereafter because i put a lot of highway miles on my car i mean you figure it's two years old it's got 70,000 miles on already. right you're running 75 80 miles at a time yeah i if i get in my car i'm going 75 to 80 miles period okay. I, I never take short trips with it so i can push mine out yep. 5,000 miles pretty safely but well, I kind
4: of uh, do that, too, and they talked about normally changing every 5,000 miles, but the first change, they say wait to 10,000. Mm, that doesn't make sense to me. Not but, at all. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I'll jump on that. And The, the third thing was the stop-start feature on the car. Should we activate that or turn it? Uh, in the summer, it's not going to do anything because it's got to run for the air conditioning. Yeah, but, uh,
0: I don't have that feature on mine, and I'm glad I don't. Okay. But uh, Yeah, If if I had it, I would probably have it turned off. Because it's a lot more strain on the battery, a lot more strain on the starter. I don't see where it's really going to save anything. I mean, that constant stopping and starting—I, I hate that feature. But I guess maybe it helps them with emissions or something.
4: Yeah, you get you know, get some government approval. I'm sure it's country by country. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hear from you. All righty, have a good weekend. All right, Wallace, All right
0: thanks for calling, man. Bye bye. All right, we're gonna take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the automotive hour. If you ever plan to the west
5: man you have a personal trainer right yes i've got the guy mr miyaga (laughs) he's gonna teach me how to wax on wax off mr miyago's no joke oh sorry he begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger hidden badger fire monkey flogging duck and highly agitated dragon sounds kind of extreme yeah bruh extreme results
1: Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's AGCO Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with AGCO's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road.
5: You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines... And live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks.
1: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you're joining us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. And if you got a question or a comment on the show, you just give us a call. Our number is 291 6901. We sure appreciate hearing from you. And we're going back to the lines with Kenny. Good morning, Kenny. Uh, good
6: morning. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I got a kind of a strange situation. I got a 2015 Nissan Frontier mm-hmm. with a four cylinder. I purchased it in California and I brand new. And then I've lived here for the last couple of years. Well, my engine light came on and. Went to the auto parts, plugged it in the computer, and it came back as a catalytic converter problem. Yes, sir. And everyone was scratching their head, and even the the stores, the repair shops I've talked to go like, we never have that problem. And I've been running that 10% ethanol gas. And I'm not sure the dealer gave me an outrageous price to fix it.
0: Well, let me ask you, how many miles you got on it? 80,000. Right at 80 or just below 80? Just above 80. Ah, darn. (laughs) Because it it had an eight-year, 80,000-mile warranty on the
6: commercial. No, I know. I know. Actually, I know that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I just wonder, since I bought it in California, did they have... Like, can I buy the catalytic converter here, and it's and it's
0: gonna? Yes, but it's gonna have to to be. It's got to be a California model, right? The converter that goes on your car is going to be the California model because if you put a standard converter, it will not meet the test, and and it'll turn light back on. See that computer computer system and all the software is set up for California emissions. So even though you're not in the state of California, it's still that's what it's monitoring for. See, it was set up. So how am I going to get that part? Oh, you just go to the dealer and give them the VIN number. And, and he'll get you the exact same replacement. There's no but I have to cover- get it through it Yeah, so there's no aftermarket yeah. replacement that's going to work, not on that vehicle.
6: That's that's, that's why you that's left
0: true. California, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, that's one of the reasons. That sure. That's
2: definitely one of them. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely no, no,
0: no other converter will work. It, it's got to be the California Emissions Converter because it's a much, much tighter testing thing on it. We've run across that quite a bit where people have put aftermarkets on and light keeps coming on. And you can't get around it. Number one, it would be illegal to change it but number two you'd have to change basically every part of the car to try to get around it because it's, it's all totally integrated into the system
6: that's what i was afraid of mm-hmm. well thank you so much yeah I, if I you're love-
0: close to eighty thousand miles I, I mean it's worth, worth a phone call it's worth a phone call and you're not gonna get it from the dealership but call nissan the, the big company parent company and say look i love my nissan i'd like to buy another one in fact my wife's in the market for a car right now we're looking at nissan's and I just don't think it's right. It should have gone out at just over eighty thousand, you know. And and you know, say to give you half off, you know, whatever they do is better than nothing at all. And where a lot of people, oh, I hey, hate. I'll tell you, what, I'll never buy another. Okay, you're not gonna buy another. One, okay, well, you're not gonna get anything, yeah, gonna get anything <laughs> not, on this one either. Yeah, you know, if they think they can retain you as a customer, and they think maybe they'll sell you another car, they're more likely to do something for you. And like I said, you probably can't get that done at a dealership level, but go in your owner's manual, get the eight hundred number, and call them, and just very politely. Tell them how much you love your car and how you're thinking about buying another one. And you just really, you know you had eight an eighty thousand mile warranty on it and see what they'll do for you.
6: And in the future, should I not run up and off?
0: No, it's not, no that's it's not, not going to affect it. It's probably just slightly below efficiency of what California requires. And you know, if it was a federal admission the light probably wouldn't even be on right now because we have a, a much looser standard and unfortunately there's really nothing you can do to change it
6: yeah because everyone i talked to here said we never have that problem
0: <laughs> well i wouldn't say uh, never yeah. we, we see it but it's usually at higher mileage you usually see it up around 100 150 thousand miles but converters are one of those parts that do just go out i mean they a lot of factors go into it you want to make absolutely sure you're using the right engine oil uh, some people want to put thicker oil and all that that's one of the key killers Another thing is if you ever had a problem where you had a misfire on the engine, that will kill a converter in a matter of hours if you drive around with a misfire because every time it misses, that extra gas is going right out the tailpipe, running that temperature up on the converter. So, I mean, other than just making sure you do everything right, you know, you shouldn't have too much problem out, out of the future.
6: Okay, well, I sure appreciate the information. Is that something you think I should get the part and have a have a reputable you know, uh, You can, but I mean if you but, go to
0: if you go to a reputable shop, they're gonna put the factory part on it anyway and they shouldn't charge you any more than you could buy it for. I mean, what area you calling from? New Roads. Okay. I mean, not trying to hark your business, but I mean we can do it for you. We'll sell you the converter the same exact price Nissan will. If you wanna buy your own, that's fine, but there's no savings in doing that. And the disadvantage is if you supply the converter to the shop and then it goes out in short order thereafter, they go say, Okay, yeah, go get you another one. So they're going to hand you a converter. you got to pay all labor again, whereas if the shop installs it, they may be willing to help you with the labor on it.
6: Oh, I got you.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: So you guys, had, the, the dealer quoted me between thirteen and 1400 he said.
0: That's for the total job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the, the labor's not much on it. It's only an hour or so, or so labor yeah. on it. So you're not talking a bunch of labor. It's the part, and the part will be the same price regardless. Our labor rate will be slightly less than the dealership's is, but you know, we'd be somewhere in that range a little bit less.
6: Well, because the, the, they gave me a price quote, but you know they didn't do the VIN number or anything, and they, the part was only two hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, that don't sound mm-hmm. right. Nah, something's wrong there, man. I mean, even how did they a
6: Louisiana one? Yeah, but how did they get fourteen hundred? Because no, the dealer quoted me fourteen hundred just for the part alone. Okay. I went to a you know auto parts place and they quoted me two hundred. Oh, that's half oh, tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's
0: not going to work. That will. You basically just totally waste your time and. Usually you those buddy. require cutting the pipes to put them in and weld them in, and when you do that, you destroy the pipes. So now the, you can't put the original. you got to buy all the pipes and everything to put the right thing back.
6: All right. Well, I'm going to get on bended knee and talk to Nissan. Yeah, my- I would. I mean, <laughs> if you don't
0: if you don't ask, the answer is always no, yeah, right? Yeah, if you don't ask, the answer is always no.
6: <laughs> and then I'll call you guys and have you uh, install it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can do that. I can get it. Where are
0: you guys at, by batteries John. Yes, sir. Okay, all right. all right.
6: Thank
7: you so much. Okay. I love your show. All right, thank, thank you. you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: All right, going back to our phone, we got Tim online. Good morning, Tim.
7: Good morning, gentlemen. A couple of weeks ago, I heard a guy call in about diesels and trying to use something other than ether, which is a little dangerous to start yes. them. And mm-hmm. he heard silicone spray. You guys heard Fort WD forty. I always thought it was more the gas or the propellant in the can. And I'll tell you why I say that. I used to work on a lot of two cycle mm-hmm. jet ski engines, mm-hmm. and of course, the oil and the gas are mixed. So mm-hmm. if you try to use ether or something to start them. Initially, that first few seconds, there's nothing to lubricate the cylinder. So in the old days, we used to use WD-40. It was mm-hmm. one of the things we used, but it was because not only did the WD-40 liquid in the can help lubricate the cylinder right. initially before the gasoline kicked in, but in those days, they were using propane or butane yeah, just as the mm-hmm. propellant. That's what actually fired the motor. Of course, then they got to some safer stuff, and a lot of people went to CO2 or nitrogen. You don't find much propane or butane anymore. But as far as starting the engine with like silicone spray, WD-40, whatever, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I heard it was more. You got to look at what the propellant is. That's yeah. going to ignite the liquid. Well, I help wouldn't doubt it. Later to lubricate.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, and like I, said, I know they use a lot of hydrocarbon type propanes and methanes, all that kind of stuff. Years ago, but I think they've gotten away from a lot of that. You know, the emissions people are so tough yeah. on that kind of stuff now. Right? Know you buy and a lot of aerosols dangerous. now. Like it- well, you buy a lot of aerosols now, and and the first four five squirts, and then and the can's still full, but you can't get to blow out. You
7: know? Yeah, because <laughs> whatever they <laughs> use it ain't <laughs> working that. too well. But but it's just like you know some of those old tire inflators and stuff that's mm-hmm. propane or butane. Yeah, which is, is definitely not for safe later on. You know, a lot so of- I think they got away with that because I know. Nowadays, we try to start a two-cycle with like a WD-40 or something. It doesn't work near as good, and it's really? because they've got an inert, a nitrogen or a CO2 that doesn't mm-hmm. ignite right. instead of propane like they used to. Yeah. So, you know, when people hear those wild tales about what to use, I'm not so sure it's about the liquid in the can as yeah. much. They got to read the the propellant in there. Yeah. what's really well, You're probably right. The gas that's gonna mm. fire.
0: I guess you could basically get like a little propane torch and use that, but it'd just be kind of dangerous. You know, you have to be very, very careful anytime you're spraying propane gas around. But I guess something like that, maybe if you could rig something where you could hook it into one of the vacuum hoses or something.
7: Yeah, I don't know that recommend that either i definitely uh, wouldn't recommend it but, but i mean i guess yeah it, it's basically you know somebody will say oh use silicone spray or wd-40 or one of those it mm-hmm. may or may not work and if it doesn't work you can sometimes look at the can and find out well there's nothing uh there's no flammable gas in yeah this newer
0: version yeah That's why it's well not that, that would up, make perfect so. sense so
7: anyway i'll let you get on to the next call you guys have
0: a good day all right thanks Thank all, man show. Mm-hmm. bye-bye all right we got to take our second quick little break be right back with more on the automotive hour <laughs>
1: Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with
2: Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision.
1: Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going.
5: Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, I think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape.
1: So, how much does
2: Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too.
5: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Echo, it's the place to go.
1: Hey, welcome man, back! you
0: join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Outland, with Mister Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's two nine one sixty nine zero one. And we've had a fair number of calls this morning. So that we have. Maybe we can set a record if you call on in. <laughs> we're keeping track,
5: man. There you
0: go. <laughs> yeah, give us a call, and uh, we always makes our day, it makes the show go a lot easier and faster, and also get a lot of good, interesting comment. There we do. And if you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-D-A-U-C-O. (laughs) C-O. <laughs> there is a contact bar on each and every page. You just click the button and fill out the little form and send it on in. There you go. You ain't even working there for thirty years. I think you're right? spelling down. <laughs> 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 My now. <you> know. <laughs> oh goodness! I tell you, I do the same thing. I miss one week show. Yeah. I-, I come back, man. I'm stumbling and sad. yeah Trying to figure out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like these masks we got to wear. I've been doing it for a year. Uh-huh. But I still get out of the car, walk in restaurant, I ain't got a mask on. Oh, yeah. Then I turn around and go back and get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I ain't been doing it for a year now. I ain't got it down yet, you know. <laughs> time I get it down, i quit doing that. There mask, you go. So. Let's go back to the phone lines with Donnie. Good morning, Donnie.
8: Good morning, fellas. Yes, Good morning. Sir. Can you start on of on the PCM as to what it is, what's its uh, purpose? And one other thing, with older model vehicles, mm-hmm. setting the distributor – Can you kind of expand on that, Well, the, the the proper way of doing
0: it? Yeah, the PCM is the power control module, and it's basically the computer that runs the engine operating systems. Now, it's also one of the main computers, and almost all of the others feed back to it because it needs the input from the others to do and make the decisions that it makes. There's probably anywhere between 60 and 75 computers on a modern car, and they're all talking to each other constantly. For instance, you got the PCM, which is a power control module, and to make it more confused, some people call it an ECM, which is electronic control module. That's sort of a generic term for all vehicles in general, and they're all talking to each other on a CAN data network. So, if I, if this PCM needs to know what speed the vehicle's traveling, well, they don't put a separate sensor. It just goes to the dash module and looks at the speed coming in there and takes that input. Or if it needs to know what gear it's in, well, it goes to the transmission module and takes that data and brings it up. But it makes all the calculations to set the injectors, to set the timing, to handle all the events that make the engine run, to handle all the check engine light features, and all that generally goes through the PCM. And I don't know if that was a good enough explanation for you. It's a pretty complex topic, but that's basically what it does. Now, virtually no new engines are going to have distributors. They got away from distributors two way back. way way back and the PCM handles that through sensors it's got a cam sensor it's got a crank sensor so it knows the position of the engine it knows when it needs to fire and it just electronically sets timing and everything sets idle it controls all that automatically on the older vehicles that had distributors in them the best thing to do was to mark the distributor before you remove it knows you would take the where the rotor is pointing make a little dot on the housing, that would allow, so you could put it back in that exact position. And you make a dot on the base of the distributor and on the engine. So you could put it back in the exact same position. Then, at most, you just had to put a timing light on it, which would show you what the timing was. And you may have to tweak it just a little bit one way or the other from well, there. And some of your vehicles, you actually had to unplug the the ECM control from it to right. set base timing. That was on your oh, on your older ve- vehicles. Yeah. And then you would plug it back in when you were done, and the ECM would take back over. Yeah, like issues. on your small-block Chevrolets, when it came out with the HEI, the high-energy ignition, it had an input from the ECM. It was still controlled by the distributor, but the ECM could override it. And so it had a lead going in there, and what you'd have to do is disconnect that lead, set your base timing, then plug the lead in, and the computer would take back over again. But, of course, all of that's gone now. They've right. gone to complete computer control on it.
8: Where is the ECM located on the older vehicle?
0: Uh, it depends on what vehicle depends it on it what is. vehicle. They put them everywhere said, yeah, under where the can. sun. Sometimes they're under the battery. Sometimes they're back on the firewall. I see I mean, them inside the firewall from the outside. You, there's a compartment that the ECM slides through the firewall into the inside, but the connectors are still on the outside of the firewall. Yeah, they try they, to put them in a safe everywhere. safe position to where if you're getting a wreck, it won't tear it up and where rain won't get on it and all that kind of stuff. But, man, they're all over the car just depending on what kind of model, and it changes from year to year even on the same yeah. model.
8: Okay. And would you explain a little bit more? You were talking about that maybe two, three weeks ago when uh, everything changed from carburetors to the fuel, fuel injection, injection mm-hmm. throttle valves. Mm-hmm. And you were making a a um, point about when you have that kind of setup now on changeover from carburetors to the uh, fuel injection, that this, this other setup, you can't just put gas in it and down the, uh, the throttle of the carburetor like you used to. But on that system, you can't just do that because it won't start if everything is not in line or something like that you were talking about
0: i'm not sure exactly
8: well you made the remark about uh how it was easy to try to start a car when you had a carburetor
0: well you could look down there and you could see if it was spraying gas and when you worked the, the linkage so you could verify that you had fuel pressure whereas okay. with new stuff you can't see the fuel it's down in the injectors which is spraying down into the ports or later models spraying directly into the cylinder so it's very difficult to check and see. You know, It used to be, if you suspected that you had no fuel pressure, the fuel pump had gone out or whatever, you just look down the carburetor and work the nozzle, and you could see the accelerator pump, pump of gas in every time you moved the thing. Well, you can't do that anymore.
8: Oh, okay. So it was just uh, from a
0: diagnostic perspective, right. it, it's gotten a little more difficult. You have to have gauges and instrumentation to test all that now.
8: Oh, okay, because I didn't catch the I think it was running out of time. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, okay, but that's basically what I was asking.
7: Okay. All
8: right, thank you. All right, Donnie, thanks, man. All right.
0: Bye-bye. All right. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want me to call the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And we got Herb online. Good morning, Herb.
2: Good morning. Yes, sir. My wife's 10-year-old car. Well, it's been uh last couple of weeks. I've been smelling something, and it appears to be a antifreeze. Okay, But yet it's not using the level is okay. and But I can see around the, the intake manifold there uh, mm-hmm. a little corrosion. Yeah, what kind of car is it, Herb? It's a two thousand eleven Taurus so,
7: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's over where the starter where the carburetor
7: yeah.
2: is. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I got the worst. thats Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. But
2: anyhow the battery over there. You I have been seeing a little corrosion. Okay. and I cleaned all that off and I still yeah, I still smell it when you stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that a, while, per, uh, that a very,
0: very little bit of coolant will make a whole lot of smell, particularly if it's spraying out onto a hot engine because that engine is evaporating the water out of it, and that smell is, is really, really going to be strong. So a couple of possibilities there. Number one, it is losing coolant, but it's just not losing enough to affect that big old one-gallon reservoir you got now. Another one is that if the reservoir does get empty and draws air into the system, then the reservoir will quit working. And the, you have to take, let the engine cool completely off, take the radiator cap off, and you'll see the radiator is low. But that reservoir may quit working if it gets because it works it on basically a the siphon connect, system right. and if it lo- if it gets air in it then the siphon will break and the tank may stay full and ready radiator get imp you'll run out of coolant. It so oh, okay. it's something you're going to have to address it's not ever going to get better it's going to get way worse. more expensive oh. and it can yeah. corrode the cylinder heads which probably got aluminum cylinder heads on air and then you end up having to change cylinder heads yeah, so, because now you got air in the system yeah you got air which is, is causing more corrosion so it, it's something you're going to need to address
2: okay well been um, any? I'm planning on bringing it in, and she's just dying to use it next week, next Thursday. So therefore, I know you ain't gonna get to it by then. But it won't hurt the catalytic converter, with them little bit of fumes coming down through there, will it?
0: No, no. The fumes are not gonna go through the converter. They're just leaking out into the air, so you can smell them. If they were going through the converter, you wouldn't smell them. Maybe sucked up in the engine but just okay. let it cool completely all stone cold and take your radiator cap off and make sure that it's full because it could be pretty significantly low and not indicated yet. If, if you can, use the correct coolant yeah. to top it off with instead of water. Yeah, dude, don't put water in it. Yeah, I got
2: Pre-mix. Pre- pre- so. Yeah,
0: put, okay, put the right okay. stuff in there. But do that before you let her take the car out because I don't want to see her get overheated and make a worse problem.
2: Okay, well, I will be contacting you all Monday and get an appointment. Sounds great. Uh, Sounds but, good. I'll, all right, Herb. I'll be in there I'll be in there too. Do with my antifreeze on my truck already. So okay, there you go. Let's go. Sounds All good. Thanks,
0: right, thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we're gonna take our final quick little break and be right back with a whole lot more. Linda, I've been so tense
1: lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy, Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish, Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing, along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. Ah! When you hear that, you know it's working. I
5: bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at AGCO Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about AGCO's General Inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance, so your car will perform for the long term.
1: One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know.
5: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your Your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Kerry, right here. Right <laughs> there you go. You forget the, uh, spell on the name, and I forget your name. Hey. Well, I, well, tell, you, I tell you, we're going somewhere with yeah, this. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It must be some radon gas leaking in the studio. There you right? go. You know, that, that are Alzheimer's. Early, early on sale, early Alzheimer's. Early. <laughs> hey, give us, guys, 291 6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And you did get the phone number right. I did. I did. I got that <laughs> down, man. Well, there's one number number off in the shops. So, right man, i, I, I kind of remember that yeah give us a call and you know before all the calls and everything we were talking a little bit about the gentleman who had placed the thing on the internet and i see a lot of times where i'll read something that's just totally totally wrong uh-huh and i always wonder because i will rarely go in and take time to dispute anybody but I wonder how many other people are reading this and, and getting wrongful wrong yeah. information. had a guy on there one time. He was saying he had, had not had his transmission serviced in, like, 200,000 miles. Okay. Should he go ahead and have a service done on it? And, man, oh, oh no, no, no. you don't don't service it. If you hadn't done it, then don't do it. And that makes as much sense as, you know, I hadn't brushed my teeth in six months, so I should never brush them again because it, it, may, it may cause problems. Yeah. No, it's not going to cause a problem. Going six months without brushing it's may cause a problem. problem. Yeah. And, you know, the same a way. proper service can never, ever, ever hurt a transmission. And the key word is a proper, proper service. service. Now, you don't want to flush. Right. And we'll talk about the difference in just a little while. A waste, at, at best, a waste of money possibly causes problems. You don't want an improperly done service. But, properly changing the fluid and filter putting the right fluid the right filter the right amount of fluid back in it cannot ever hurt it and may very well buy you some time extend the life of it because the old depleted fluid and the petroleum part of the fluid may last a very long time but there are countless additives in this fluid you have anti-foam additives you have detergents that clean things you have chemicals in there that keep seals pliable They keep the seals from hardening and all that. All of these additives go away. Right. And if you continue to run that old fluid without the additives, that's when you start to see all the problems. Now, coming in, if you've gone 200,000 miles without a service, the filter's plugged up and it's starting to slip. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's too little too late. Right. It's on its way out. Yeah, you've already got a problem. It's not going to solve that. A service will never solve a problem. It may Prevent. prevent a problem. So that's the reason you want to do it on a regular basis. But don't ever think that because it's gone a long period. That it shouldn't be done. It shouldn't be done at all. You know, it's more or less like a person who's got some extra weight on them. And let's say they got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, name a number, extra pounds on them. Well, if they will go ahead and start doing some exercise, start watching a diet and lose some of that weight, it's not going to cause them a problem. It may be too little, too late, and it may not get rid of the diabetes. Although the diabetes is probably better if they did lose some sure. weight or whatever disease they've contracted as a result of oh. not maintaining their body. But it's never too late to go ahead and start getting back into shape. I remember reading a study one time, and they said that if you smoked for twenty years and then you quit smoking for twenty years, it would be almost like as though you had never smoked at all. Okay, because your body will regenerate to a certain point. I mean. Obviously, it's better if you never did. But doing the right thing, even if you do it late, you know, it's not... It's still uh, better than not doing it It's not. It's it better than not doing it at all. Yeah, same thing with coolant and everything else. Now, I can say if you haven't changed the coolant in your car in 10 years, it's probably going to be very, very corroded. Sure. When I go in and change it, I may wash away a little bit of this corrosion, and you may start to see leaks. Right. The corrosion is what was actually sealing the hole up that the corrosion ate temporarily. Yeah, yeah. It, It's not going to be – it's not like it's not going to fail anyway. It's going to fail anyway. It may just reveal a problem that's already there. Personally, I would prefer to see the problem so I can address it. Sure. I don't want to be out on the interstate sitting and stop and go traffic in August when it's 100 degrees outside. Let it overheat on me then, and I blow a head gasket, and now I've totaled the car. Sure, but it's never going to hurt to do proper maintenance on a car. It's never too late, right, to go ahead and start trying to get back into shape or get the car back into shape. But this is sort of the foolishness that you see, you know, on the internet and elsewhere. The internet is just something we kind of pick on because everybody has access to it; it's very easy to access. But the same thing could be written. In a letter to someone who knows, you know, it's just not a lot of people are going to see it. This is out there where everybody sees it. So that's why we kind of pick on that media. Kind of be leery of anything you read on the Internet. Do your research. Well, that or advice you get from a friend. Yeah. You know, you might want to look at uh, who is this friend. Does he work in the industry? Does he know a lot about it? Has he read a lot on it? Is he an enthusiast? How are his cars doing? Yeah. <laughs> Number one, you know, right. if he's a guy who never has car problems, well, yeah. Maybe you want to do what he's doing. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, Dave Ramsey right. some time. He's talking about the guy. He says, yeah, this guy's been married 16 times. I don't want to read his book on marriage. Right. I hope this was fixed, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm not reading your book on marriage. You know? Same thing with the guy, the guy who's always broke down and spent a ton of money on his car. That's not the one I want to go to for advice. Right. You
7: know? Exactly.
0: But you see a lot of this kind of stuff. Another pervasive myth out there just staying with transmissions is the difference in a flush and a a proper service. service and they'll tell you oh you want to flush it out because that's going to wash out no it doesn't and it doesn't change all the fluid and if you think about the way a transmission works and most people don't realize this but it's not like a linear flow of fluid from a to b right you have a pump which produces far more pressure than the transmission can use A lot of the fluid is simply getting picked up, going through the filter, going into the pump, and dumping back out of the control valve, which regulates the pressure, right back into the pan. It's just pumping into a circle Mm -hmm. constantly. There's another circuit that goes out and lubricates all the moving parts on the car. There's another one that goes out to the clutches that applies the clutches. That's the pressure circuit. Another one goes out to the torque converter. That applies the torque converter, releases the torque converter, and causes that to work. Another one goes out to the transmission cooler. But what you got is all these different fluid flows going in all these different directions, sort of like a tree. It comes up from the trunk, but it branches out in all these different branches. Now, what a flush does is it removes one of these circuits, generally the one going out to the cooler. Basically because it's the easiest one to get to. It's the only one they can get to. So they take that line loose, and they take the fluid coming out of it, which is about maybe a tenth of the fluid in the transmission. They dump it into a catch basin, and they pump the same amount of fluid back in the other line. Now, what's happening is that fluid is going in, and it is going through the return line. It's dumping straight in the pan with all the old dirty fluid. Okay, so it's mixing with the dirty fluid. So you're taking dirty fluid out. You dump it into a thing, and then you're taking clean fluid. You're pumping it back in. It's mixing with the dirty fluid. It's going right back, mixing up, and then it's coming right back out again, and you're doing the same thing over on one-tenth of the fluid in the cooler line circuit. hmm now it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out you're sucking a lot of the clean fluid right back out again. Sure, or to figure out that this is just diluting back with the dirty fluid, you're never going to get anywhere close to a hundred percent of the fluid out. Well, and some of your vehicles now have a thermostat-controlled cooler on them, that's so right. the thermostat's not even open. So where well, you put cold fluid, fluid is, in it, well, what fluid is going in is not even going in transmission anymore. That's right. Yeah, because the line is blocked. So the thing is, it also is stirring up a bunch of debris and stuff that's in the pan, which is sucking through the filter. And I've heard them say, well, this will back flush the filter. Now, wait a minute. The car is running when this is being done. Right. They're using the pump on the transmission to power the machine. Now, unless you can make that car so run backwards. It, yeah, yeah r- backwards? Make the engine run backwards to pump it the other way. You are not back flushing anything. anything. All you're doing is stirring up a bunch of debris and trash us in the pan, sucking it right through the filter, which is... Stopping a filter, which up. is restricting it even further, and you're not getting anywhere close to 100% of yeah. the fluid. To do a proper service on vehicles that have a pan that's removable, you would remove the pan, drain that fluid, which is about half the fluid, mm-hmm. which is way more than you get by running clean fluid th- through Two- one tenth of the circuit. Right. Then you replace the filter with a new filter, fill the Put the pan back on and refill the unit. Now you've changed about half the fluid, and people say, "Well, I want to change all of it." Well, you, can't, you really can't do all. You can't of it. change it Unless all without taking the unit out, taking out, totally take it completely apart. But you get enough of it to where you replenish your all your different additives, and you got a clean filter. And too. that's the point of doing it before it's needed to be yeah, done. That's why you want to do it before it's one hundred percent depleted. Hey, we're totally out of time. Get ready to get on out of here. I'd like, to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us, please. Sure, wish you would. It gives makes us feel real good about what we're doing. Not only that, but it moves us up in the rankings where when people type in a generic term like auto repair, we come up close to the top of the list so more people listen. That's people where we need in. to be. There you go. More people tune in. Long can do the show. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.